Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Technical Difficulties, the podcast. Um, I appreciate you coming back and checking out this new episode here. I'm pretty excited to um, for this particular episode because I get to talk about one of my favorite things, which is comedy. And it's something that I've been um, I've been watching a lot of comedies lately and have been wanting to write my own comedy. And so I kind of like to talk about today just the just the concept of comedy, especially when it comes to film and what makes films funny and, you know, maybe why we haven't seen as many great comedies like we have like in the past. So uh, joining me today is um, a special guest, uh, Amanda Tingley. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So uh, do you want to do you want to tell your our, our audience a little bit about yourself? <laughs> sure. So um, my name is Amanda Tingley. I am actually the host fiance whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i'm a filmmaker i'm currently in my senior year at oakland university and i'm a double major in cinema studies and graphic design um some current projects i'm is actually my student org is helping produce dustin's latest short film mm-hmm. um english breakfast if I don't know if Dustin's talked about it on the podcast before. No, I haven't brought it up. Oh, but like, so my student org is actually helping produce that. And I'm one of the producers slash cinematographer on that short film. It's sadly, it got delayed because Mm. of COVID, but like, we're hoping probably end of June or July to start filming again. Mm. Actually, I think I have mentioned it just how it got like kind of put on hold, um, so yeah, we are we're definitely itching to get back out there and finish it because we got halfway through it and it was it it, it seemed to be turning out really well. So I'd like to see Yeah, it we finished. got like I wanna say like a fourth of it done. And and it's just we had like two weekends, two more weekends planned and then we just had to cut it, which sadly mm. I mean it is what it is, but I'm just, I'm just my, like my, my fingers are itching to like mm. get back on it. Yeah. Same here. Um, that's why I like being able to do stuff like this because it doesn't require like a whole crew. Um, so it'll be really nice once we're able to get back and get the gang back together and able to finish this thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, cause also, also we've been like living together. So it's like, I'm surprised I haven't been on it ear- on this podcast earlier, but mm. I've been kind of. I'm nervous. surprised too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you know, like a vulnerable thing, mm-hmm. putting your voice out there. <laughs> right, but don't you want your voice to be heard? Well, yeah, but I don't know. I guess I'm just so used to being behind the camera that I'm not mm-hmm. like I'm not used to people listening to me and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I totally agree." Mm-hmm. You know, but. We need we need to know that because, you know, it's I don't know if it's more like um, a more modern thing, but um, just the the concept of like the director is usually like the face of like the film. Yeah. Um, and how like like for example, you see all these projects coming out, and it's like a Jordan Peele film, and like he didn't actually direct it. <laughs> he just produced it. He just produced that. it. But that could mean a many many of things, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, I I think I don't know if it's just a marketing thing, but I think like we oh, it's definitely a marketing thing because like everyone knows who Jordan Peele is, mm-hmm. so if they see his name on it, they're like, oh, it must be good quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, but right. like I haven't seen bad stuff come out of him mm-hmm. that I know of. Yeah, it seems like um, mostly from. Uh, the Twilight Zone, like the the Twilight Zone re redo re- remake remake. Uh, I don't know if it's a remake of sorts, like just like a new version, new series of the Twilight Zone, and it, it seemed like specifically online that there was just a lot of negative comments and about like Jordan Peele, even though like he didn't write like all the episodes. Like I think people like don't really. Yeah, I think he was Get just an executive producer, which means he put and money. Yeah, and he was a host. So he just basically put money into it. Maybe he wrote, like, an episode, but, like, I haven't, like, looked at all the the notes. So 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I know he was an executive producer. Yeah, so... Um, and that's where confusion can lie because people think like, oh, it's Jordan Peele. Like, he, this is his show. It's like, uh, yeah, he's the host, but that doesn't mean that he wrote and directed every single episode. And, but I think that's why it's good to have voices from people like you, Amanda, who's oh, more behind the scenes, like behind the camera, um, because you can tell about your experience yeah. in film and what that's like. Mm-hmm. I guess it's because, like, I come from, like, a more conservative slash, like, Asian household. So it's, like, Asian, like, well, in my, like, family, like, you don't really talk about your emotions and, like, Mm. you just kind of, like, get, it just, everything just gets swept under the rug kind of thing. So maybe that's why I'm so used to not, like, expressing feelings as Mm. much as, like, other people are, but I'm, I'm trying to improve that, so. Good. It's good to be expressive and, you know, um, let your voice be heard. And, you know, especially in an industry when there's just so many, so many people and so many hands in the pot, it's, you know, it, it could be easy, it seems, to get lost in the shuffle when um, you have certain individuals who kind of take the spotlight. Yeah. So don't let them take the spotlight. You can... Let the spotlight shine on yourself. Oh, <laughs> I'll sparkle like a diamond. Is that mm. the saying? I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, very happy to have you on the show today, Amanda. And um, Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this topic we're going to mm. dive into. Ah, uh, yes. So, so a- as you know, we've been watching a lot of comedies lately. Yeah. Um, just trying to keep the mood light and also like have... I've been wanting to introduce you to some some comedies you haven't seen and also um, rewatch some films that I hadn't seen in years. Yeah, especially considering I'm a filmmaker and I don't, like, know films. It seems like <laughs> you're always introducing me to films when I'm supposed to be the filmmaker. Mm. Well, I mean, that's just more, like, my thing. Like, I, like, not a cinephile or anything like that, but I tend to... Uh, I'm I'm into like s- certain I don't know directors and like genres like types of film like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So I maybe it's because we have different tastes. Because like I feel like you haven't seen films that I've watched, but and then you have films that I haven't watched. Mm. Well, yeah, and that's that's the great part that we can introduce films to one another. Mm-hmm. Because when you met me. Um, I don't think you you probably hadn't seen that many horror films, it seemed like. No, I was terrified of horror films, but now I'm kind of, like, loosening up to the idea, you mm. know? Like, I'm not just, like, dreading the whole movie. I mean, there's probably, like, videos out there of me, like, screaming and hiding my face under a blanket, but it's not, it's not bad, I'll say. Mm. Yeah, and if you're interested in seeing one of those videos, if you go on YouTube, you look up... Uh, the account Here Come the Fuzz. Um, there's a video on there of Amanda when she was watching uh, The Conjuring 2. Um, so it's it's a great video. I highly recommend uh, you get to see Amanda like screaming for like five minutes. Not literally screaming, but I was just, it was terrifying. You know, the nun, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the nun was pretty creepy. Um, so we we have been watching a lot of movies recently, and we've also been watching a lot of comedies. And there's been some that you have seen, but it, it's been a while and like we've watched them together. Yeah. And then like just um, the other night we watched Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Which I hadn't seen in years and like I, I still loved it. Like I thought it was great. Yeah. Like when did it come out? 2009. Oh, I think the comedy kind of like is still like relevant you know mm-hmm. or it's still funny so that's it's it's aged well mm. it's like 11 years now it has and because it has a lot to do with actors and just how a lot of them are just like kind of hot messes <laughs> yeah. and they have personal issues and they can be like divas and stuff like that and so you get them thrown into this like real life situation where they're they have to act like these roles like they are known for playing. And 
So it's it's skewering that. It's skewering you know Hollywood in a sense. Yeah. And but it's just it's it's a fun movie. It's got like t- a ton of cameos in it. Yeah. I honestly I forgot that Jack Black was in it because he acts mm. like totally different from how he is in real life. Mm-hmm. Because he's just like a fun loving guy and like. But like in the in the movie, he's like on like hooked up on drugs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. He's crazy. Yeah, that that aspect it took me a little bit to, I guess, warm up to because yeah, like you said, I'm used to Jack Black being like just this kind of upbeat, fun loving guy, and then see him play, he, his character's pretty messed up. Yeah. Um. It's, it's and like if you see like his like YouTube channel, he's like that he does with his son it's like so like heartwarming and like Mm -hmm. fun it was kind of interesting though to see like he was someone that obviously like had a lot of issues a lot of issues with drugs and yeah a lot of it was played for laughs but you could see that he was someone that was like struggling and he's just always like the fat funny guy and that's what he's known for and that's his shtick and it's kind of you know that mixed with the drug use it's kind of you he he i don't know he does inject a bit of um even though it is like a comedy yeah like he does inject a bit of uh i guess realism to the way he portrays his character i mean now that you say it like that like it makes like tropic under like the characters like even more darker and deeper if you think mm. about it <laughs> Well, yeah, and because even though it is, so it is a, it is a satire. It is you know playing on a lot of, um, I guess, stereotypes of actors and their pretentiousness and whatnot. But pretty much all of them have some kind of uh, like a problem that they're dealing with. Yeah. Whether it's their um, like a Robert Downey Jr.'s character where he he has like identity issues where he feels like he has to lose himself in every role to the point where he has to literally um, color his skin to play the role of uh, like an African-American trooper. And then you have um, Al Pacino, not the actor, but the character whose name is Al Pacino. And I forget, I forget the guy who plays him. Like he's awesome. Um, I haven't really seen him in much else. Yeah, I think that was, like, the first time. I I feel like he was in, like, movies in the 90s, and then he just kind of disappeared. I, I don't know, because he seems pretty young in Tropic Thunder, and that was 2009. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he looks familiar. I just don't know where. Mm. But there are, some, there are some funny moments where he's calling out Robert Downey Jr.'s character, because uh, Robert Downey Jr. is so, like, lost the his character he plays is so lost in his role that he's basically referring to and acting like he's also african-american yeah, and he's, he's not. like does struggle has like witnessed the struggles that like african-americans deal with but he he hasn't because he's just an actor <laughs> yeah and, and, he, and he's white or australian <laughs> he's australian so it plays it plays a lot of that and um I do think Ben Stiller, his comedy is, like, very smart. Like, even with, like, the cable guy and stuff. Um, he's very good at satire. And he's very good at um, just, just like, being able to poke fun at people. And, I like, concepts like, um, like I don't know, Crazy Cable Guy. And then um, I, I'm trying to think of um, other films that, that he has done. Cause like, he's, directed? Or? Yeah, like, directed. What was it like, Blade? No, he was in it, but I can't. Which one? Oh, Zoolander. I think I think he directed Zoolander as well, because that that skews the oh, yeah. like the fashion industry. Yeah, the models. Yeah, and yeah, he did direct that. Like he's very smart. If you like the like some of the films of his, you watch and they're kind of dumb. Like you know, some of the humor is just like um, characters just like doing dumb things and everything, but it. It's like he knows what he's doing with it. Yeah. So it's like calculated dumbness. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. If that makes sense. It's like interesting to like look at like the kind of humor he's done. Hmm. Yeah, he seems like a he seems like a cool guy. Like he seems like he'd be a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, my friends when we went to to TIFF last year in um 2019, they like 
they met him at a Starbucks in Toronto. And oh, I, wow. I was so sad because I was like five minutes away. I could have met him, but I didn't. Oh, wow. And like, Did they get to talk to him? Yeah, they got to talk to him because he thought that they were actually like residents of Toronto. So mm-hmm. he was like asking them for directions. Oh, no way. Yeah, and like they they were able to get a picture with him. He was so cool, but I was just like, I was so close. Oh. Maybe. Because like at the time I was like super, like, I was really into his movie, um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mm, so I was just yeah. like, oh, to meet him. <laughs> right. Well, maybe maybe soon. Hopefully. Because that's not going to be the last time you'll be at TIFF. Mm. I'm guessing. Well, hopefully, I'm 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 a, I'm gonna put. I mean, I hate to put it out there, but I feel like TIFF is going to be canceled to a later date this year. But I'm hoping next year and. 21 we can go mm-hmm. it's always been a fun festival oh yeah no so if you can't go this year hopefully hopefully very soon yeah and then maybe we'll have like we can like try and get a buyer for our film there mm-hmm. yeah i mean that would be cool so implying that i would be there yeah mm-hmm. of course all right i'll see you there i'll be i'm I'm going as the producer, and you're going as the director of our film. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, that's kind of been a, a goal, I guess, to be able to make a make a film, and once we get it to the point that we feel like it's really solid, then we could go somewhere like TIFF or you know go to a festival and be able to kind of I don't know what what do you call it Sell when you it. when you like yeah when you're like mingling with people there make and then connections. yeah trying to make I mean, connections i mean like those festivals are like the big leagues but you know i mean and like even though we're like small fishes in the sea mm. we can always try <laughs> oh yeah it's just it's just putting ourselves out there and that's something that i need to do more is just you know not be afraid to like you know be in the spotlight a bit like put put myself out there and like get out of my comfort zone and like that's what i've been trying to do more lately mm-hmm. um which has been ironic because you know i'm at home most of the time but i'm trying to like um connect more with people yeah and like network and and also like make try and make a comedy because like we always mm-hmm. made horror films so mm-hmm. like that's a new like territory for you ah yes yeah actually my last guest that i had on uh noah um he is also a filmmaker, and he's been wanting to get into comedy. Mm-hmm. And I've been wanting to get into comedy because uh, most of my films have been horror. So maybe that's something the three of us can can work on together. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I like Noah's humor. Like, it's kind of, mm. like, dry, but, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I find it hilarious. Mm. I could see his humor being like that. Because it's, like, and also I feel like, if you have like dry like his dry humor and then your like situational humor, I feel like that could really work. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like that stuff is pretty popular. If you look at like like The Office, for example, yeah, a lot of that is dry situational humor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't know if that's more like the American style of humor. It seems like we have a a lot of our humor is based on like awkwardness. Like, people yeah. being in awkward situations, and they're uncomfortable, and it's funny because, like, the audience feels uncomfortable, yeah. but it, like, makes you laugh. I mean, I don't know much about British humor, but I feel like there's this more, like, witty, and, like, mm, it comes It's, like, dry from, and, and witty. Yeah, it, like, comes, like, the humors from what they're saying, kind of. Yeah, I have, um, because I've studied comedy a little bit, and British British humor and comedy is more, like... They kind of present it in a dry fashion that it's really up to the audience to decide if they want to laugh or not. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll they'll kind of just, like, present something, and then you'll be like, wait, is this supposed to be funny or not? Yeah. So you kind of... Um, and not saying that all British humor is like that, but it, it kind of, like... It is kind of, uh, I don't know, self-aware. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, like, also a cultural thing, because, like us americans always express ourselves or something like that (laughs) and we do so maybe and like 
Brit- I always feel like British people are so proper and like the way they like speak and articulate their words sounds so nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we, we, we could used to be more like that. But, um, so yeah, as far as, so as, as far as comedy goes, we, so obviously we watched Tropic Thunder recently and then, um, I've always been a fan of Seth Rogen and his films. Yeah. Um, I, I love, I love stoner humor, mm-hmm. which is funny cause I've never really been like a stoner. Um, although recently I've been enjoying some edibles, but, um, I, I just enjoy that kind of humor. That's just like, um, it's, it's like meant to be like funnier or if you're like stoned, I guess, Mm -hmm. but I still think it's really funny. Yeah. And we watched, um, so we watched recently, it came out, I think last year, the movie long shot. Yeah. I think last year it was like, I want to say like during Thanksgiving or something. I don't know. It was one of the holidays. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it's so it's Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, and the director I think is Jonathan Levine. He directed Fifty Fifty and um, The Night Before, which also had Seth Rogen in them. Mm-hmm. And so this this is like the third time they've worked together. And I was actually I was pretty surprised because the film was very funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very smart, and even though it was like political, it was like tasteful politicalness yeah it wasn't like like in your face political where you're just kind of rolling your eyes like it was it and it could have been it could have been like very cringeworthy where they're just trying to like you know force feed a message but um it could have turned out like black christmas but didn't oof i mean i don't want to get into that the what's it 2019 version of black christmas Mm -hmm. i'm That, that's that's a whole different topic. Um, yeah, but no, it was, like, in Longshot, like, it was funny, and, like, they were mixing, like, the, the like the stereotypes of rom-coms and, like, made the woman, like, stand out more. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, an, and it was a nice, like, flip from the usual. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to give, uh, for our listeners who might not know um, much about that film, do you want to give a little synopsis oh well you put me on the spot here Mm -hmm. um so char charlie she is at charlie's charlie's oh my god i'm really i'm really bad at names i'm sorry Mm. um she is like the secretary of state and she is trying to run for president so she hires seth rogan's character to be a script writer for her and then they go through many things and they fall in love but then they keep their love a secret and then some stuff happens so we're not sure if they end up together or not i guess you have to watch the movie Mm -hmm. don't want to give too much away but yeah yeah so that's that's basically it but the um like amanda said the humor is done very well um and even though it does involve politics, there's a lot of humor, like, gleaned from that. So, and it just feels, it has, like, a, the the humor has, like, a freshness to it. Yeah. It doesn't really, like, similar films have been done before, but it feels fresh in the way that it's being done and told. And they, like, the actors work really well together. Oh, yeah, they had great chemistry. Yeah, and, like, it's also, I guess, like, situational humor in a way, too. Because, like, Seth Rogen puts himself in these situations that, like, and then he acts all weird or, like, mm. awkward. Yeah, he, he was good at playing, um, I mean, he's still Seth Rogen, but he was good at playing kind of, like, he seemed like someone that would have been, like, kind of a shy, awkward, chubby kid and then grew up to be um, this, like, script writer or he's a well. He was a journalist. He, write, he writes articles, yeah, yeah, like journalists. But it feels realistic. Like he, even though it, he is acting like Seth Rogen, mm-hmm. um, that it just feels realistic in in the way he portrays him. Yeah. Also, in like this kind of climate, like it works. I feel like. Like but, temperature. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was steamy. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um. No, I mean just like, 
because it wasn't like trying to make one side of like the political parties like look bad it was just more like this is what it is like not trying to like be like I don't well I don't know how to explain it like they like they it was like showing both parties equally but not in a bad light if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and also um there's the there's the moment when Seth Rogen is talking to his friend and finds out that his friend is Republican and he's just like, oh, oh, like he, he's like, oh, no. And then so, you know, at that moment, I was like, OK, you know, I, I can see a bit of a, a slant to this film. But then his friend calls him out and he's like, you know, what? I've had to hide this part of myself because I knew you would you would judge me. And then Seth Rogen's character has this moment of like self-reflection where he's He's like, wow, that's actually really messed up that you've had to like hide a, a part of yourself, yeah, because you thought that I would react that way. So, it it does show like like you said, it does show like a bit on both sides, mm-hmm. and how like even if we disagree on things, that we should still be um, like open minded and we shouldn't judge others. We should yeah. be like accepting of their views because everyone has different views. And that's, that's like what I took from it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like super like hit you over the head. It was like, it was a bit more subtle, but that's what I took from it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I feel like comedy, like in films is like picking up again because there was Mm -hmm. this one. And then like, what, like a couple years ago, there was the big sick. Mm -hmm. That was like, I mean, these are like more like rom-com movies, but like, but like the comedy and these parts are like funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to see fresh takes on familiar stories um, like those. I was also a really big fan of The Big Sick. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious, and there was a lot of, lot of humor in it that, I guess you don't really see because it was a, um, it was showing uh, a difference, a different side that we normally see, basically yeah. a, a non-white perspective. Yeah, and I think also it, like because it was based on like a real life story, it kind of felt more relatable. Mm-hmm. Cause like, like before comedy used to be like the Hangover style kind of, like, what what would that be called? Well, I would say more gross out comedy. Oh yeah. Because there was that, and then, like, Bridesmaids happened, which I guess is, like, that's also kind of gross humor in a way. Yeah, there's definitely in the, like, mid to, um, like, mid to late 2000s, like, in the 2010s, um, where humor, um, because of successful films like The Hangover and, um, you know, like, Seth Rogen's films, where it just kind of went to more like the edgy humor and like gross out. So a lot of movies tried to, it seemed like they tried to like up the ante. Yeah. And like each one had to like try to top like the previous one. Honestly, I, I feel the hangover as kind of like a double edged sword because it like did bring out like good comedies, but also it started a trend where it was just like the hang, like trying to be the hangover over and over again. So mm. I'm not exactly sure if, like, that era was really that great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's cool that it, it was able to inspire people to make their own films. But, I mean, that is the way things tend to go, though. Like, things kind of go in cycles. Yeah. So when uh, a type of film or type of comedy is successful, then you see other filmmakers trying to kind of, like, put their own spin on it. Yeah. Um, because even though um, it came out a while ago, I think it was around 2007 when Superbad came out. Yeah. Um, even t- even to this day, like bad, I think, was it Good Boys or Bad Boys? The, yeah. The I think Good, good Boys. boys. Um, with the little boys. It, it was basically marketed as Superbad, but like nine-year-olds. Yeah. So even to this day, like that film is still, um, or that, I guess, formula is still, they're, and even like uh, book smart, yeah. I heard that book smart is similar to like super bad, mm. where it's like a teen comedy and it's coming of age and it's kind of edgy and stuff. 
I haven't seen it though. Yeah, same. I that's been on my list. I almost watched it, but mm. I've just been so busy, you know. Oh yeah. Understandable. I don't think anyone's gonna hold that against you. <laughs> you know, even though I'm st- I'm stuck at home, my life is still running. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it, it definitely it definitely is. Um, it, was a, it was a great anecdote. That, that was kind of where I was going with bringing up the long shot or long shot is that it seems like it's just we haven't really had a lot of comedies hit comedies they're kind of few and far in between yeah i'm actually surprised long shot was very like underrated just because it has seth rogan in it Mm -hmm. and he's like a huge comedy player so that that's the thing though because he is i mean he's only 38 but he is getting a bit older and people it seems like there's more of a focus on like who's like fresh and young like who's the next you know person that they're gonna (laughs) focus on yeah and because seth rogan was he was pretty big for you know like 10 15 years yeah he's had all these films and now you don't really see as many um the same with like will ferrell you don't really see as many films where it's like will ferrell's next movie um yeah, lately I don't know if there's really been many Cause even comedy like, stars. Cause like what we watched like Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell, mm. and like I don't even know if that film did well when it came out. I honestly don't know. Um, that was another one that just kind of came and went, and I yeah, like we watched that recently, and I was surprised. Like I I thought it was I thought it was a really fun movie, and it was it was funny, and it seemed underrated to me. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the new generation don't appeal to like those actors because they're older now. I don't even know mm. like who's like a comedy figure for them, for like the people younger than us. I don't know. Maybe some guy on TikTok or something. <laughs> um, I know uh, Pete Davidson from SNL. Oh yeah. Um, oh, you know who it is? Is YouTubers? That's who it is. Mm. Like, ooh boy. Like who? Who's? Man, I used to watch a lot of YouTube, but now I don't. Who's a popular one? David Dobrik, I think, is one. And then, like, what's her name? Superwoman? I I, I don't remember their names because I don't watch them. But, yeah, I guess it's just YouTubers now. Mm. Well, I mean, I haven't really seen... I don't know. I guess I haven't seen movies recently that star, like, YouTubers. Or if they're more... I, I've noticed they're more on, like, Netflix. So, mm. but like we don't watch those movies, so that's why we haven't really seen them. Right. And also like YouTube Red, they have a lot of like movies with YouTubers. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't really think of, you know, who's who's like, you know, the big in the face of comedy like right now. Um, but I feel like we will probably have a, re- a bit of a resurgence, especially, um. Because, you know, we've all kind of collectively gone through, like, the start period. And I feel like we can use more humor and laughter. So I feel like we'll probably see more good comedies to come from this. I mean, hopefully. I mean, like, now thinking on it, a lot of, like, those, like, people that we mentioned or, like, even the past comedies in, like, maybe the last 10 years is from people that were in SNL. But I feel like Mm -hmm. not a lot of people watch SNL anymore. Yeah, it's it's for it's for a reason. <laughs> I it just um was also I'm curious cuz um now with the whole like you know stay at home thing, I, how they would do SNL cuz it go it's every weekend. So I I haven't yeah. really been paying attention. I mean, no one really watches like television or like, at least like the younger generation, they don't watch television anymore. It's more like YouTube and like TikTok. So, yeah, I, I honestly, I was never really bit like a big television person once, um, like the internet became a thing. Yeah. I was always on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, 
it's funny because I'll talk to people and they'll say, oh, you've seen that commercial, right? And they'll be like, that that commercial about the thing. I'm like, no, I don't I don't watch TV. And but like, like, the thing what? is, if you've seen a commercial, it's because it's been, like, people are talking about it. So you watch it on the internet. Mm. So it's like, you don't watch it from its original, like, on its original format. It's on, like, a secondary format, if that makes sense. Well, the the people that I'm referring to, they actually like watch like they watch television. Oh, really? And which is to me, it's kind of strange because I I is, stream is it your everything. <laughs> no, not my. It probably is, because um, I I I stream everything or I watch DVDs. I I never watch anything in like real time, or so to speak. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny to me when someone is. They're like, oh, yeah, this commercial that it's on all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up on YouTube. <laughs> Good old YouTube. But so I kind of wanted to go into next because um, I and, and Amanda, you know this because I've had you watch dozens of them. Oh, yes. But I'm a huge fan of spoof movies like Mm -hmm. parodies parody films and um i just recently um binge watch just every almost every like spoof like parody film i could find especially ones with leslie nielsen yeah what films um well i'm glad you asked amanda so i've watched um well i started it started with naked gun two and a half and that kind of kick-started like this binge and then we watched Airplane and Airplane yeah. 2, um, which I'd never seen, the second Airplane movie. And so it was interesting to watch it now after spending most of my teenage and adult years, you know, watching the original Airplane, which is just a classic. Yeah. And I thought Airplane 2, I thought it was hilarious. And it wasn't like as good as Airplane, but it had, if you remember, it had a lot of like dark humor in it yeah it was very dark like it was i was very, very surprised because it's of the very time. dark i was like i feel like this would be like something that came out in like the early 2000s yeah because it had it, it definitely um it, it wasn't i don't know it wasn't like i don't know if it was mean-spirited but it just had this like whoa like i i feel like as we watched it the whole time i just kept saying whoa like that's that's messed up <laughs> <laughs> But so it was, you know, so we watched, we watched those and we watched obviously a lot of Leslie Nielsen's films. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did we watch any of Mel Brooks? I think that was next uh, on our list. No. Yeah. Like Spaceballs. Oh, yes. We haven't gone into that one. No, no. Um, saving the best for last or so to speak. But no, um, I, I just, I love spoof films and I, I hope that we can see kind of return to form for like as far as like spoof films go because they started out where they would just um, like um, the Zucker brothers and like Jim Abraham who did um, like The Naked Gun and Top Secret and like Airplane. They used to because they worked for like a TV studio and they would watch a lot of like old movies and yeah. shows because they would like put together programming. And they came across this film. I forget what it's called, but it's literally the same plot as the movie Airplane. Really? Yeah. Like, it's this, everything that happens in it happens in Airplane. But basically what they did was they took that same film, but they just threw in a bunch of jokes. And that's that's literally the whole film. And No way. Mm-hmm. And, kinda, and that's what's great about it. I'm kind of curious what this original film was. It's, I mean, uh, it's a disaster film, I think, from, like, the 50s. Um, Those types of films are pretty popular. Um, But, so it kind of, so those movies kind of started out where you would take a familiar premise or scenario or something, and just the humor would come from that. And then you had um, the guys who, they were involved with some of, Leslie Nielsen's films and then they were involved in the scary movies. I can't remember their names offhand, but everyone knows them because they ended up doing um like date movie and epic oh, movie yeah. and superhero movie and that's kind of where 
uh, spoof movies just went, they just went way downhill. Yeah, I remember when, like, what was it? I think it was um, Scary Movie. People were, like, all for it, but then they kept coming out with those kind of movies, and then people were just, like, over it. It's because they were um, beating a dead horse, if that's the right metaphor. They were taking something and just doing too much of it. Yeah. But the thing about it is that they didn't really... um, I feel like they didn't really understand what made something a spoof. It seemed like to them that it was, oh, you take like Iron Man and then you make Iron Man and put him in the film. And then he he just kind of randomly shows up and he's like, oh, I'm Iron Man. And that's what is funny because it's just referencing a thing. It's just a visual reference. And and you you I mean, there was stuff like that in spoof films even in movies like airplane and stuff but not like the entire film yeah and i think that's where like things kind of went downhill because they were like oh this is because this is funny just referencing other movies and pop culture and stuff and that's not like it doesn't make it funny and so it was just kind of a mixture of um losing sight of what made like spoof films funny and then just doing it over and over and over. But the movies kept making money, so they just kept making them. And and then it then the scary movie, like Scary Movie 5, that one they rushed and it turned out like um very poorly from what from what I've seen and like I don't read even about. Remember like what that one was about. They that one and it, it just kinda showed you just how they were just trying to like you know, squeeze it out. They weren't trying to make like the next great, I mean, the scary movie franchise isn't like a great series, but like they're all pretty like equally, um, like very funny in their own ways and had like a bit of a uniqueness. And the fifth one, it was just kind of like a retread. And I remember when, um, Fide Alvarez, um, evil dead sequel, it's not a, it's not a re reboot and it's not a, um, remake Mm -hmm. um the evil dead movie it is a sequel if you kind of follow the the timeline but his evil dead sequel i'll call it um that that hadn't come out yet Mm. and but in the trailer for it was when um you saw the character in it and she's like you are all going to die tonight and then scary movie five dropped a movie trailer and they spoofed that in the trailer, but the Evil Dead movie hadn't even come out. So they were, like, spoofing a movie that hadn't even come out yet. And it seemed like that was, like, their way to, like, try to, like, quick, this movie's coming out. We got to make fun of it. This way kids will recognize it. But then the humor gets old real quick. It, it's old before it even comes out. <laughs> and... I mean, aside from that, I know the Wayans brothers, they did like A Haunted House 1 and 2, which I, I hadn't, I haven't seen them. I've heard some people say it's kind of a return to form back to like the scary movie, like 1 and 2. Oh, okay. But since then, um, yeah, maybe aside from like Black Dynamite, um, we haven't really seen like a good, like a, a, a great like spoof film. Yeah, I can't really think of any I've seen like that came out recently. The only other one, and it's kind of a niche film, is um, The Editor by um, Canadian filmmakers Astron 6. It's a spoof of Giallo films. Okay. Which um, you kind of have to be into a particular type of films. It's like 70s slasher films, basically. Italian ones, uh, specifically. So that's kind of where the Giallo films came from. So it's a Giallo spoof. So if you've seen a lot of those, um, you'll get a lot of the jokes and references. Hmm. But if you watch it and you haven't seen any like Argento or like Fulci films, um, I mean you'll you'll probably still enjoy it, but you'll probably be more like, huh? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen any of those films, so I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's how most people respond when I when I talk about films. <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm hoping that we get a return to form as far as spoof movies go. I just feel like it, it'll take someone, maybe someone like me, who understands like the formula of like like a proper like spoof or a parody and what makes it funny 
and because I know we talked about recently doing um, a spoof of student, like student short films. <laughs> yeah, like do the what they typically do in their short films. I like, mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things like when I nowadays when I watch. I know you show me short films of people that you know or know of. Well, it's just like, you know, there's always that, like, a shot of an alarm clock, a shot of, like, I can't think of any, but I know, like, or if it, like, it just... Their tur- feet, their feet getting out of bed. Oh, yeah, or, like, um, there's, like, a little getting ready montage that they show, like, the alarm clock, and then there's also, like, if this is, like, a kind of like twisted story it just turns out it was a dream in the end but i always feel like it's kind of like a cop-out because like why don't we just like develop the story mm-hmm. more they're like but it's a dream what a twist <laughs> exactly even the um like unnecessary camera angles because it seems like um yeah. they're like i want to be like i'm a i'm a cool filmmaker and i'm gonna make this cool artsy film and it's gonna have all these like cool camera shots and everything which which is which is fine but it can be a bit much yeah i mean i i like i get like they're still like learning and they're film students for a reason i think some like just students just they need to realize that when you're filming you film with a purpose so each shot Mm. has a purpose and not just because oh this looks cool but like yeah maybe you're doing like a dutch angle because this is like an intense scene or it's like it's a little that's this scene is a little off you know so like i think people just need to put more thought into what they're filming instead of just being like yeah let's do this let's do that yeah i think that's i think that's what i pick up on when i see a shot in a film and yeah it's like a cool shot from like a you know, tilted angle or something, or it's like backwards or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, that looks, it it looks cool. But is it really like, is it really serving like the story? Is it like placing emphasis on any of the visuals or anything like for a reason? Um, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head saying like, you know, every shot basically has a purpose. And because when we have sat down and we've, um, done like shot lists and storyboards and stuff yeah like we plan each shot um that we want you know we want emphasis on this or if i put in a shot and you're like no this doesn't make sense to do it from like this angle or this wide or whatever um like there ha- there has to be like a reason behind all of it yeah and even like how you frame actors in the scene like are you putting two people in one shot because they're like connected in some way or like or if you do like a one shot of these two people next to each other is because there's like still distance between them kind of thing like i mean i could go on about like all the things that i think student filmmakers need to do to improve themselves to make them look more like their films look more professional but i mean we can save that for another time well how about how about uh for those listening that might be you know aspiring filmmakers what are some things that would be good to keep in mind when it comes to um, whether it's your first film or like, you know, you've made a handful of them. Um, what's some good, what's some good advice do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, now you put me on the spot. Um, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how podcasts go. Uh, well, I guess like, like do what you know, like, and also like what you have around you. Cause Sometimes even the simplest of things can become a great story. And, like, just keep shooting and practicing, especially if you're trying to be, like, a cinematographer. Just because you can, like, slowly start to, like, develop your style. And, like, I mean, I know, like, we sometimes we make fun fun of, like, student films. But, like, you're, like, if you just keep making it and, like, always trying to improve on your, like, next project, um... I think that's a real, like, good, like, skill to have mm-hmm. and always, like, learning to, like, or always trying to improve and, like, find inspiration from, like, other films. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what I have right now. Well, that that's some very good advice. Um, m- mine is, I, I have mentioned this before on the show, but just, like, it's okay if you make something and it sucks butt. Um, or if you, if you make a film or you write something like, 
Um, one a, a great piece of advice that I got um, is actually from David Scherf. He mm-hmm. um, he's a professor at Oakland University, and he he taught the screenwriting classes that we took. Yeah. And a great piece of advice that I got from him is that your first draft of like a screenplay or of anything really, but he said a first draft of a screenplay is going to be your shit draft. Yeah. You know, which is you know it's pretty. <laughs> um, it might seem like funny, but it's very true to keep in mind, like the first draft, you just have to just get it out and you just have to accept that it's going to be kind of shitty, but you can rewrite it. Yeah. You can work on it. You can tweak things. You can, um, you can play with the formatting and stuff. You just have to get it out. Um, Cause if you expect that the first draft is going to be perfect or the first cut of your film is going to be perfect. Yeah. Like it's not realistic. Like you kind of have to, and pardon, pardon my French, but you have to embrace the shit, <laughs> the shittiness. Like, you need to be like, okay, this might suck, but let me show this to a few people and get some feedback. Yeah. And then you can look for ways to improve. Also, I would say, like, also, if people give you advice, like, take, like, take it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, they might be wrong but also they might be right when Mm. if you're trying to like portray this message and they're not getting it like maybe it's not the way you're displaying it in the film is not how the audience is taking it Mm -hmm. so like if you're asking people for advice take their advice because like you're filming like yeah filmmaking is an art but it's also like i don't know know where where was i going with that Uh, i i see where you're going with it um, it's similar to like if you're writing something and you write because you're you're inside your own head and you know you understand like when you write something you understand like what everything means and the context and everything because it came from your mind so you can write something and then show it to someone and be like hey what do you think and then they're like oh well I didn't get it why does the guy like do this and in, and then your knee-jerk reaction can be like oh well you don't get it because he because um, he spent the last two weeks, you know, trying to do this and like blah blah blah. Yeah. And like, okay, well that's great, but you didn't convey any of that in your writing. And the same with if you are putting messages in your films, but you're not really going into detail, you're not really giving um, context. Yeah. So you have to think from the perspective of someone that like doesn't know who you are or anything about you know your project or anything. And so what they think, what a random person thinks is very important Mm -hmm. because if you, if you kind of base your, your stuff on the opinions of like those around you, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course they're going to be like, oh, like that's, this is great, like great work and everything. But if you put your film in like a festival, like, you don't know any of those people and they're not going to like know who you are and like understand like what you were attempting with it. Yeah. So like you need to take take all feedback well and even if you disagree like you said amanda like even if you disagree let's say that person's wrong like just take it with a grain of salt because that's how you can improve as a filmmaker writer director whatever especially if you're doing like a narrative i feel like i feel like if it's an abstract film like yeah like if they don't get it okay whatever but like for narratives like if it's not if the audience is not getting the message that you wanted, then I don't know. Did you really succeed? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and and then that's not. It's not to say you failed or anything. It's just like okay, well now you know for next time, like wh- how you can you know how you can improve, and maybe if the only feedback you got is oh I didn't really get this, then maybe you could watch films that inspire you or go on YouTube. There's tons of content out there, and just. Like, really do your research and look for ways to improve your storytelling. Um, because I think that's one of the biggest things is um, with a lot of films lately, you know, they come and go and mm-hmm. a lot of them don't stick. And I feel like it's re- it really has to do with, like, most of it is, like, character development. Yeah. Um, I was just talking with this with my brother last night about the latest Jurassic World film. Mm-hmm. So you have like the original Jurassic Park, which is a classic. Like to this day, I can watch it so many times. I, I love it. And then um, you've had two Jurassic World films and you have Bryce Dallas Howard's character and Chris Pratt's character. 
in two films, mm-hmm. so almost like five hours total of film, we still don't really know much about their characters. Yeah. We know like what they're going through, like this Jurassic World, but we don't really know anything about them. There's no development or anything. Mm-hmm. And the same with the other characters in it. You know, they, I mean, they kind of threw Jeff Goldblum in um, just to tease us. Like, I wanted him in the whole thing. But I feel like that's what's missing. Because when you really take the time to, like, de- develop the characters and get your audience emotionally involved, those are the types of films that stick with people more. Yeah. I mean, you can also, like, say that with, like, comedy films. Like, I feel like the comedy films that really stick out are when like the character is actually developed and it's just not like and like because like if you feel for the character like the humor will be even more funnier i -hmm. feel like oh yeah um like we watched um eighth grade Mm -hmm. uh bo i think bo burnham is his name and and that was great i loved it it's a it's a great film it's a great coming of age like comedy and you really get it you really get the sense of the character and what she's going through and that one i really liked because they didn't try to um like they introduced like elements like the her you know the the guy she like had a thing for yeah but like they didn't really go anywhere with it which was cool because that's just kind of like what you're used to yeah they were kind of just showing that being in eighth grade and being young it's like all these experiences that you're going through Mm -hmm. and like really at the end of the day it's like what what matters you know when she has that moment with her dad and they have like this nice moment together and they like hug yeah and that's kind of just like where it ends Mm -hmm. um and i I mean if you look at like also like what's that movie jeff who stays at home. Oh, Jeff, who lives at home. Yeah, like, I mean, that one, I, I view it as, like, a comedy slash slice of life, kind of. Because mm-hmm. they developed Jeff, Jeff, excuse me, into, like, this, like, very funny slash eccentric character. But, like, because of, like, how, like, strange he, he is, like, it's like, it comes off really funny. Mm-hmm. So... And he's also relatable because, I mean, I related to him because I'm the kind of person that I try to see meaning in everything, and I believe everything happens for a reason, and that's how his character is. He literally spends the whole movie, like, following what he thinks is, like, um, like the universe, like, guiding him. Yeah, like, following uh, the name Kevin, was it? Or... Yeah, I think I think it was Kevin. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 was a good film and that's a good point you bring up that, you know, that if we're able to like feel like for the for the characters, like that can make a great comedy and just great like storytelling like um cuz I feel like that's in in all movies and stories are different, don't get me wrong, but it seems like a lot of the ones that do stick are the ones that it leaves like an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Like you you feel something. If you can connect with, if you can get the audience to connect with the character, like, they're more likely to remember your story. Mm-hmm. Even if it, like, for example, is a comedy film. Like, they can, like, remember these characters still. Right. Well, that's that's a very great point, Amanda. Thank you. you you've really brought some, some great insight. And, and I'm hoping with our listeners that, um, like, if you are into writing or filmmaking, that this does help um, encourage and inspire you. Um, don't give up. Just, just you know, keep on trucking. And um, definitely share, share with me, share with us um, anything that you might want to. If you do have films out there or writings or just anything, uh, feel free to send it to me and also feel free to reach out. Um, I always try to plug my email. If, if you ever want to reach out to me, you can always send me an email at dmhendrix89 at gmail.com. And um, you can also reach out to me on social media. I try to promote this podcast as much as I can, um, which I'm, and I'm not used to like self-promoting, but, um, and I, I do want to thank you, Amanda, for joining me on this episode today. This was oh, a lot of, of fun. I, I only had to go to the living room to record it with you, so... Well, I'm glad. I didn't I didn't want to ask for too much of you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you.
So no problem. I'd love to have you on again. So yeah. I hope um, I hope you can be on future episodes. Oh, I, I hope so too. This was actually pretty fun. I mean, I hope people didn't find my voice like annoying or anything or like think my views are weird or no. dumb. But no, thanks for listening. And if they are, then you're, you're a meanie. <laughs> so, but I, I do want to thank everyone, um, uh, listeners for checking out this episode. Um, like I said, definitely, um, send me, send me a, a comment, um, just to let me know, Hey, do you like, do you like the show or not? And then also for, um, a future episode, I do want to, I am going to start doing this where I want to post, there's a link I can post where you can send me messages you can send me questions. So what I'd like to do is mostly questions, but I want to um, get like questions from people, whatever it's about, whether it's film, music, life, video games, I don't care. And and you can be on an episode because what I'd like to do is have an episode where I take your messages and I'll play them and then I'll like respond to them. So if you're interested in doing that, just be on the lookout for, for um, that link. And then as always, be on the lookout because every Sunday I will release a new episode of Technical Difficulties. So keep your ears, ears peeled. And as always, I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.